The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. We gather for ordered worship to illumine the imagination by the beauty of God, to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to warm the heart by the love of God, to devote the will to the purposes of God. The liturgy, music, and homily this day are offered for our congregation here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written and emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of service in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. Upon this Reformation Sunday, we gathered for ordered worship. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, increase in us the gifts of faith, hope, and charity, and that we may obtain what you promise. Make us love what you command. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Well, beloved, our attention this year at Marsh Chapel is focused upon prayer as the doorway to faith. And so we center down. A familiar hymn may help us to center down. The beauty of an organ prelude may help us to center down. A phrase, a half of a sentence, may help us to center down. Or it may simply be the silence preceding worship, said Emerson. I love the silent church before there is any speaking. It may also be a grief that draws us to prayer, so evoked in Frost's poem of this season. My sorrow when she's near to me thinks these dark days of autumn rain are beautiful as days can be. She loves the bear, the withered tree. She walks the silent pasture lane. Not yesterday I learned to know the love of bare November days before the coming of the snow, yet it were vain to tell her so, and they are better for her praise. Let us together, as the choir sings, center down. Grant us, O Lord, the sight of spirit, the hearing of soul, that we might receive the good news, the gospel of grace, of freedom, of acceptance, of pardon, of mercy, of peace, of love. Grant us thy peace. Beloved, hear good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of Samuel, beginning at chapter 15, verse 34. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house in Gibeah of Saul. Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death, but Samuel grieved over Saul. And the Lord was sorry that he had made Saul king over Israel. The Lord said to Samuel, 
How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do, and you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him, trembling, and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him, for the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. The word of the Lord.
Please join me in reading from Psalm 34 responsively with the antiphon. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes it boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Look to him and be radiant, so your faces shall never be ashamed. The poor soul cried and was heard by the Lord and was saved from every trouble. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Taste, taste, and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who take refuge in him. Stand for the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Glory to you, O Lord. They came to Jericho. As he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling to you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ.
The Bible is largely about failure and defeat. Its stories and letters and teachings record ways people have lived with defeat. This makes the Bible difficult for us to understand, for we as a people have run and swatted and laughed our way past learning the language of failure. We don't admit to it, we won't accept it, we don't countenance it. So sermons, this one and others, which are fumbling footnotes to the scripture, hit us from the side if they hit us at all. Yet, by grace, it is the resurrected Christ who addresses us in the preaching of the church, in the announcement of the gospel. The passages of the gospel allow us safe passage to the gospel because Jesus is present to us. In all the sayings of Jesus which were reported, he speaks who is recognized in faith and worship as Messiah and Lord and who, as the proclamation makes known his works and hands on his sayings, is actually present for the church. Rudolf Boltmann. Our blind beggar, Bar Timaeus, shouts out an unexpected name tag for Jesus, Son of David! To call Jesus such is to remember failure, to remember difficulty, to remember warnings unheeded from long ago, To remember David, you have to remember Saul. And to remember Saul, you have to remember Samuel. Bartimaeus calls Jesus by the name of David. David, the personification of hope, of millennial portent, of the chance to get things right. Son of David! And he throws off his garment may be a sign of a baptismal teaching here. And he comes naked to see if there is another chance for him. Here is another of Mark's book of secret epiphanies. His faith has made him well. Your faith has made you well. A saying and a truth most precious to Martin Luther, whose reformation we remember today. Luther, who forever splintered the unity of the church into pieces, fragments, for the sake of the truth of the gospel. Faith, he wrote, is God's work in us that changes us and gives us new birth from God. It kills the old Adam and makes us completely different people. It changes our hearts, our spirits, our thoughts, and all our powers. It brings the Holy Spirit with us. Yes, it is a living, creative, active, and powerful thing, this faith. Our gospel, the gospel according to St. Mark, seldom uses the title Son of David only three times in order that Jesus not be mistaken for the hoped-for national Messiah, not be mistaken for the hoped-for political conqueror, not be mistaken for the hoped-for restorer of Israel. Jesus has his signature. Jesus is known by the cross. Jesus wears the clothing of failure and defeat, as does the Bible in general. But the name of David also carries the reminder with Samuel of surprise, of second chance, of another chance, of a day of new beginnings. You remember remember Samuel's story in 1 Samuel 15, read a moment ago. Samuel didn't want to be a prophet, but he got saddled with the job anyway. 
Samuel didn't want anything to do with kings, but he had to pick one. The people wanted a king. Just like we at our worst always long for some imperial president, some imperious presence on which or on whom we may cast our concerns, then we don't have to live quite as closely with our own freedom, our own birthright from Yahweh, I am that I am, the Sinai God of freedom. We are free, though often we choose to misuse or underuse our liberty. Samuel revered the God of freedom and the godly freedom in each person, in you. In fact, he revered the people's freedom more than they themselves did. So much so that he helped them choose even when he knew they chose an error. So you want a king? Well, I'm going to get you a king. And you are going to have a king. And with your king, you're going to get a whole basket of trouble. So, Saul, whose middle name was Trouble. Saul, Trouble came and went. In one sense, leadership, as we heard last Sunday, is everything. Leadership is everything. But leadership is not dictatorship. Authority is not domination. Integrity is not willfulness. Leadership, authority, integrity, they become real when they revere the God of freedom and the freedom of each person. Real leadership increases personal freedom for all. So Samuel, who knew about freedom and leadership and who could have shouted, I told you so, to the children of Israel. Instead, after Saul went to Ramah, that place you remember from Christmas, a place of wailing and of loud lamentation, and he wailed, we can suppose, and he lamented, Why, O God, have you made my people a group focused on difference and not the common good? Why, O God, have you made of us a community where there would be so few rich, so many poor Why should our distinguishing characteristics be so undistinguished? Dear Lord, are we ever and forever to love appearance above reality, image above heart? And oh my God, are we never to see your peace upon the earth, your gracious splendor among your people, your kingdom of love? So we may imagine in a hot, dusty cave near Qumran, Samuel wept and he wept. He cried in his beer and he cried in his soup, and you get the picture until at last he stopped. And as so often happens, once he stopped his weeping, his self-concern, a marvelous thing happened. God gave another chance. He said, Samuel, you old codger, get up. Head over to Bethlehem and see Jesse. I'm going to give you another chance. And so off Samuel went to the house of Jesse in Bethlehem. We worship a God of second chances, of new starts of make-up exams, of I forgive you, of surprise opportunities. In a way, in Christ, God has simply become another chance. Right here, early on Sunday morning, we pray before worship. We wonder about the congregation and the community near and far. We think of you, we think of people, some giving birth and anxious, some breaking up and anxious, some struggling to stay together and anxious, some aging and anxious, some ill and anxious. Like dear Samuel in Ramah, 
We have our hurts. Up Samuel goes to see what God will do. And God tells him that there will be a new king of God's own choosing out of the family of Jesse who had seven sons. Samuel sees the first son and thinks, this must be the one, he's got the right name, he's got the right place, right pedigree, right education. But again, something else strange happens. And Samuel, given to hearing voices, hears this voice. God says, easy, 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 big fellow, easy. Don't look at the appearance. Forget the outside. Don't be missled by the image. Look inside. All that glitters is not gold. Don't judge a book by its cover. One can be a saint at home and a devil abroad. Cleanse the inside of the cup. We see the outward appearance, but the Lord looks upon the heart. Meanwhile, back in Bethlehem, Samuel still has the seven sons on interview. Job title, king of Israel, profile, perfect leader, responsibilities, bring salvation, justice, and peace, salary and benefits, commensurate with experience. But he remembers, he looks on the heart. Eliab, no. Abinadab, no. Shammah, no. And so on, seven such no's. And so he is, there he stands in between It's tough to live in between. Like many who are here today can testify, it's tough to live in between. Samuel would have loved to settle things early, but he remembered the God of another chance, and he trusted, and he waited, and he hoped. Anybody can make a quick, a flip decision. But it takes a depth of courage sometimes to be indecisive. Anybody can decide in a moment. It takes guts to wait things through. And anybody can judge by appearance, by beauty, stature. But God looks on the heart. And so the early Christians, Mark, Paul of 2 Corinthians knew this better perhaps than anything else. That is, they knew about being in between. Maybe that's why providentially their letters and writings have become our Bible. For we're always a bit in between. And we need the confidence daily of another chance. These earliest Christians, Paul's urban Christians, Mark's Roman community, were very much in between. They were often what the sociologists call status inconsistent, like Paul himself. A Roman citizen, a Jew. Educated, a tent maker. And so were they. Women, yet rich. Artisans, yet slaves. They knew about being in between. They knew about being in between the body and the Lord, between sight and faith, between home and away, between judgment and love, between crazy and sane, between one and all, between self and others, between death and resurrection, between old and new, between appearance and heart. When you're in between, especially when you're in between, you can know the power, hear the good news, of another chance. God sees the heart and sees past appearance, the heart of a people or a nation or a person. Well, dear old Samuel is about ready to throw in the towel He's been through all the sons of Jesse, all seven, has not found the new king. He's found a lot of old king once removed, but nothing new. 
He's packing up his ephod and girding his loins and otherwise getting ready to shove off when again something strange happens. We worship the God of the second chance. If nothing else this morning, hear the gospel. Today is another chance for your family. This week is another chance in your work. This fall is another chance for your church. This year is another chance for your city. This decade is another chance for your country. Where there is life, there is hope. God in Christ is another chance. Realism and idealism are not alternatives. In one sense, either you have them both or you have neither. Isaiah 60, John 3, 2 Corinthians, the Sermon on the Mount. There is still time. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in another chance, God's only Son, our Lord. Another chance to stand in God's presence, to learn to help others, to find a meaningful life. And meanwhile, back in Bethlehem, Samuel turned as he was going and he looked at Jesse and he said, are are these all your sons? And Jesse got that sheepish look we all get when the truth starts to come out. Well, yes and no. I mean, these are all the grown ones, the ones who are worth looking at. You mean there's another chance? said Samuel, so excited he dropped his staff and ungirded his loins and lost his ephod. Well, I mean, there's the little guy. We left him to tend the sheep. Bring him. Bring, bring him. And they brought David up, and he was little and young and ruddy and handsome and beautiful, but mostly he had the right heart, a heart of songs and courage, a heart of love and strength, a real human being, another chance. Like the Tibetan Buddhists hunting for three years in the outback of the universe to find the Dalai Lama. Like the birth of Jesus also in Bethlehem. Like the moment your own child came into the world. Like every single outburst and outcropping and intrusion and explosion and invasion of the new creation. There was David. Another chance. And Samuel, old superannuated Samuel, could see what none of the young Turks could see. The heart. And Samuel wept this time for joy and said, this is the one. You bring him. It is that David, son of David, to whom Bartimaeus cries out, wondering, hoping, longing that for him there will be another chance. We worship the second chance God. Beloved, You are not a last chance, anxious people. You are God's people. And so Reinhold Niebuhr wrote, praising the Christ of another chance, nothing that is worth doing can be fully achieved in our lifetime. Therefore, we must be saved by hope. Nothing which is true or good or beautiful makes complete sense in any immediate context of history. Therefore, we must be saved by faith. Nothing we do, however virtuous, can be accomplished alone. Therefore, we must be saved by love. Hear the gospel of the son of David. I invite you now into a time of prayer. Please 
remain seated, stand, or come to the altar rail, however, will help you best support the prayers of our community. As the choir leads us in our call to prayer, lead me, Lord. Spirit of life, God who is love, we give thanks for this precious day, for the fiery colors of fall leaves and the crisp chill in the air. We give thanks for our friends and our family. We give thanks for this sanctuary, this place to worship and peace and grow together in love. We are so thankful for this congregation of spirit-filled seekers in which we make our home. Here we pause to worship because in this place we can feel comfort in our, in our sorrows and celebration in our joys. We pray for this world filled with so much goodness and love, a world that often finds itself overwhelmed by war, hunger, division, and natural disaster. Let all who suffer find peace. We pray for our leaders, May they have the vision to see the inequalities of the world and the courage to solve them. We pray that the light of the divine shines brightly on all who work toward a more just world. We pray for all the people in our world that they should be safe from violence and oppression, that they should be free to learn and love and live in safety and peace. We lift up those in special need of abiding presence and steadfast love, people who are sick or injured, people who are mourning, people who, though exhausted, continue to struggle toward justice. For this, for second chances, and for all that is our lives, we pray. Now let us pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
Good morning. It's my pleasure to welcome you on this Reformation Sunday to Marsh Chapel. We're so glad that you are here as a part of our community, whether you are sitting in a pew or you're listening on the radio or listening via podcast later. We invite those of you who are in the pews right now to fill out the red pads found along the center aisle uh, so that we can get to know you better and you can get to know one another better. Drawing your attention to the announcements for this week, one pertinent announcement for today, our intramural bubble soccer team, the Bubblers, or the Bubblas, um, are looking for players for their game today at 4 p.m. up at FitRec. Anyone who has a BUID, including faculty and staff, can come play with them. Uh, bubble soccer involves putting a giant plastic inflated bubble around you and running around and running into other people and trying to get a ball and a goal. So if you're interested in doing that, please see Casey Schultz, who's right here after the service, and she will tell you the information that you need. On Tuesday, uh, the Dean's Choice for this week is a free concert held by the Voces Hispanicas here in the sanctuary entitled The Death and Resurrection of Don Quixote, a Flamenco Recital, and it'll be at 8 p.m. Again, that's free, free to attend. Uh, next Sunday, Dean Hill and Jan will host a student brunch at the Deanery. If any students are interested to, in attending, they can email Caitlin No, uh, K-N-O-E at bu.edu by tomorrow to let them know that they're coming. And next Sunday evening, the Global Ministries Department will host a Dia de los Muertos celebration in the Marsh Room at 7 p.m. in conjunction with the Mexican Student Association uh, here at BU. Uh, if you want more information on that, you can contact me. Um, for all other upcoming events, please check out the Marsh Chapel website, bu.edu chapel, where there is also the opportunity for online giving. Now, as the ushers wait upon us, let us meditate on the choir's offertory piece, Unser Trübsal, Die Zeitlich in Leicht East.
Gracious God, giver of light and life, we thank you for pouring out your grace and loving kindness upon us when we falter and for giving us second chances. Bless these gifts presented before you today so that they can support those who may falter around us and maintain your creation and community here on earth. We ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus Christ, the love of God, the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen. <laughs> 